Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I'm a messenger of the good news. And I have a responsibility to manage what God's given me. Now, he's given me gifts and all those other things. I think those are great. That's wonderful. But really what I'm trying to do is invest and produce spiritual dividends. Paul came. There were no believers when he came. When he left, that little church became really healthy spiritually. And they were impacting our world. When you read the book of Acts, it's pretty easy to assume that all of the preaching was done by the apostles and men like Stephen, right? And if that's the case, then you're off the hook for that evangelism stuff. (laughs) The problem with that thinking is that Jesus himself said differently. He said that every one of his followers were to go out, spreading the good news of the gospel. Pastor Mark will be teaching about your responsibility to talk to your people about Jesus. You'll learn that God's ready to give you the ability to do just that if you'll ask Him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 as he continues his message, Successful Ministry That Pleases God. One little interesting thing I've read this week. I've been following this for a lot of years. There's a church in Canada. I can't remember exactly what it is. United Church of Christ in Canada, something like that. Anyway, lots of churches there. Kind of a state church. And there's been a little lady since, I don't know, 10 years ago, 6 years ago. And she is the pastor, the minister of that church. She does not believe in God. She does not believe in Jesus. She does not believe in the Holy Spirit. And she doesn't believe that the Bible's worth anything at all. Now, she's the pastor. I'm serious. So the organization, the church, decided to take her to court and try to get her outside the church. But as it went on, we don't know what kind of agreement they made to. But from what we know, they were afraid to get into the lawyer stuff because it's going to be horrible. It's going to be terrible. It's no good. So they just said, go back to your church. So she has a church in Canada that doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in Jesus, doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit, doesn't believe in blood. Hello, what are you going to teach? But think of the people that are deceived. They go to church. Why would you go to church? <laughs> Why would you go to church? So here we are, a church with no God. Now, that tells us what's going to happen. But see, people say that what you can't teach against this and that and that because you don't love the people. Sorry. I teach the Bible. All our pastors teach the Bible because we love people. That's the only way to get to heaven. 
You know the story. I told you many times, you take your child, the two-year-old riding his little bike. What are you going to say to him? Well, be careful when you drive in the street there. No, you'd say, don't you dare go down the driveway to the street. Why? Because you're a mean dad. No, you're a loving father. Do you understand? Everything that says no in here is not because God hates us. It's because God loves us. He knows the outcome. We don't. Those people will discover the outcome. That pastor will answer to God. So will we. Now, so we teach and preach the good news. Watch me. But we always do it with love. When I say something is wrong because the Bible says it, I say it with love because that's who God is. He's love. So here's the second thing you want to write. Spiritual success is having courage and boldness to share the gospel. Remember, you're a minister. You're supposed to share the gospel. So am I. Regardless. It doesn't matter. If they accept it, don't accept it. If they make fun of you, that's okay. You just love on them. Go pray for them. You have to shut up because they're not going to go anywhere. That's okay. That's okay. Remember, the rich young ruler came to Jesus. How do I get eternal life? Jesus was loving on him, shared the principle. And what did the young man do? See ya. Well, he didn't go after him. He made the decision. He loved him. He looked after him with love. But see, that's what we do here. Now, one of the reasons we don't share, and one of the reasons you see these two words, courage and boldness, is because sometimes we're timid. Look at this verse. For God did not give us a spirit, Paul writing to young Timothy, young pastor, of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, Paul was in jail when he's writing this. Do not be ashamed or ashamed of me as prisoner, but join with me in the suffering for the gospel. How can I do that? By the power of God, by being filled with the Holy Spirit. So now Paul is going to go and he's going to address some of his character traits. Because when you look back at that city 2,000 years ago, there were all kinds of of enemies against God in that city. Now, they had never even had Jesus added to it. Now it's going to be worse. There were idol worshipers and Jews that finally, many of them came to salvation. Many women did uh, in that church. But Paul knew as they went into their community, and some of these Jews said, well, we believe Jesus is the Messiah. And the other Jews go, what is wrong with you? And the other people, how can you stop worshiping the idols here? What do you mean a living God? There's no such thing. And he knew there was going to be problems. And they would be rejected. And they would start causing doubt to come about the Apostle Paul. Remember, he'd never been to that city. Now, the reason they're going to do that, you're going to see, in that city, there were religious professionals, so-called, of all types, city of 200,000. There were cults, false creeds, astrologers, insincere religious uh, leaders who were there to peddle their false teaching to do one thing, to get money. So he's going to talk about that. No, my reasons for doing this is not about getting money. I'm not deceiving you. I'm telling you the truth. And so these people were motivated by money and greed. And when they wiped 
Thessalonica out. They weren't getting any more money there. They've kind of finished everything. They just moved to the next city. They were just kind of like missionaries moving. And so Paul says, that's not who we're at all. Now, this shouldn't surprise you. Jesus, before any of this happened, let me read it to you from Matthew. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. Well, you remember, people are vulnerable. If they don't know the truth and you lie to them, they don't know you're lying to them. Satan's a great deceiver. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. So we have to watch out as pastors that we don't have these people that are moving through our congregations teaching false kind of stuff. And from time to time, even in a small group, we ask people either to stop promoting your stuff that's false or you're going to be asked to leave the church. And we absolutely cause them to leave the church. You say, well, that's not love. No, that is love. We're protecting the sheep. You have to understand it. Well, that doesn't happen today. Are you kidding? Of course it does. Satan is like a roaring lion, always looking who he can devour. So we care about people. Now, look what Paul says. This is interesting. Look at verse 3. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. Now, why would he say that? Because the false teachers were trying to do exactly that. Their motives weren't right. They were trying to trick the people. So he's going to give a defense. Here's what he says. Very simple. Paul says this. Our teaching is 100% true. There's nothing added to it. That's what it is. Our teaching is honest. I'm not here to try to deceive you. I'm not here to trick you. I'm just here to minister to you. And the third thing Paul says basically is this. Our motives are pure. I don't have a separate motive. I'm not interested in your money. The Bible has a lot to say about our motives. You know, a motive is an underlying reason For some action we've done in our life. I like this summary of motive. God not only cares about what we do, but why we do it. You see, we can look really good on the outside. Really good. When in actuality, our motive is selfish. Well, look what Solomon says in the Proverbs. Look at that verse. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Now, I can pretend that I'm doing something for others, but I'm really doing it for myself. Now, remember, you're supposed to evaluate your life. I'm supposed to evaluate my life. Am I doing things that make me look good, but that's... Really not what's supposed to be my motive. I was supposed to be helping somebody else. I'm just trying to put myself in that limelight. Well, Jesus said it like this in Matthew. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Well, how can that be? Because who's the only one that can look in the heart and go, wrong motive. Who's the only one that can do that? Oh, I am, Pastor Mark. I've got a great sense of, man, I can tell. Uh, Maybe, sometimes we can. But who's the one that really judges our motives? God. Do you think he ever misses it? Oh, man, I misjudged that person. No, he knows it. 
Now, when we think we're doing it right, but sometimes, let me give you an example. I'll use myself. I'm here this morning as a pastor, as you well know. What if when I get to heaven, you're all standing in line with me, and I get before God. Palmer, your illustrations were great. What a great teacher. But you know, 10% of the time, you're trying to impress the people. Too late for you, too late for me, I'm already in heaven. So any gift I got there, gone, I'm still there. He said, well, Pastor Mark, you would never do that. No, not any more than you would. Am I right? Oh, I never have a wrong motive. Whoa, we got problems already. (laughs) Of course you do. We're selfish people. We're sinful people, aren't we? Remember, Paul is giving this, but he'd never had perfect motives either. He had to deal with it. So when God does that, we just have to be honest and go, God, I'm doing that. for It looks really good. People like that. No, it's the wrong attitude. I have to be careful that anybody that's a leader, anybody that's on stage of the churches, any of our pastors, wherever you're at, we can be prideful. And we're doing it not for God, but for us to look good. Careful. Do you know that we can even give our tithes and offerings with the wrong motive? Listen to this from Paul. Each man, each woman should give what they've decided in their heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You see, he knows our motives. And Paul is basically saying, I want to teach you about motives. Now watch how he does this. Look how he talks about the motive for giving the gospel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. For we speak as messengers, which is all of you and me, approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone, here we go, he alone examines the motives of our hearts, of our hearts. Here's what you want to write. Every Christ follower is a manager trusted with the treasure of the good news. You see, the message of the gospel is a treasure. It's a treasure. Now, why is the message of the gospel a treasure? Because that's the most important thing that we can ever share. It's the most valued thing that we can ever share. Why? Without the gospel, no heaven. With the gospel... In an acceptance, in a repentance, heaven. You, you can't find anything more valuable. It's the gospel. That's why Jesus died on the cross. So remember, I'm entrusted with that. In other words, I have to invest it. I have to share the good news with other people. Because I am a messenger of the good news. I'm not a messenger of Calvary Chapel. I'm a messenger of the good news. And... I have a responsibility to manage what God's given me. Now, he's given me gifts and all those other things. I think those are great. That's wonderful. But really what I'm trying to do is invest and produce spiritual dividends. Paul came. There were no believers when he came. When he left, that little church became really healthy spiritually. And they were impacting our world. When we started this church... 
in March, it'll be 27 years ago. We were just a small group of people. I didn't have any money. I worked for three years, and we were just meeting and having a great time to see what God would do. Look what God's done. Now, how did that happen? Because we were entrusted with the gospel. We knew it. We shared the only thing people really need to hear. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. You can go to heaven and have your sins forgiven. Amen. And that's how we have thousands of people. Why? Well, because I'm a really tall, good-looking, powerful man. No better than you. Are you kidding me? Look around you. Look what God uses. He has a good sense of humor, in case you don't know. Everybody's always saying to me, you do look short. I say, bless you, my son, right there. I just bless you. I'm just kidding. You understand. It's the power of the gospel. It's a treasure in your hand, in your mouth, in your heart. Don't miss it. Paul said, I didn't fail. I was a success. Ask yourself right now, are you a success in sharing the gospel? I can't answer that for you. But you don't want to be a failure. You want to be that person. Now, what happens when we please man and not God? Well, Let me just share with you how that looks. Let me read this. A man pleaser, a man pleaser in the pulpit refuses to speak the whole truth. I just shared with you, the Canadian church, they speak no truth. But we have a lot of churches today, as I already told you, they speak partial truths now. Oh, we can't say that. We're going to lose all the people. We can't say that. Don't, don't, don't ever. Just go over it. Dilute the word of God. No, that's not what we do. They're pleasing who? Yeah, we don't want them people leaving the church. Well, of course, nobody wants anybody people leaving church. But if I have to dilute the Bible to have the people stay in the church, I'm the one at fault. Because there's now no truth. Second, a God-pleaser, willing to speak the whole truth. That's what you have at our campuses. Our pastors, our staff people, we're willing to simply do one thing, speak the whole truth. Amen? Now, are we perfect? No. But the whole truth is, number three. Man-pleaser. Man-pleaser says what people want to hear. You know what a God-pleaser is? That pastor says what people need to hear. You need to hear it. I needed to hear it. That's why we have the Bible. It never returns void. It's powerful. It changes people's hearts. So we can't be men-pleasers, people-pleasers. We have to be God-pleasers. Now, do people really want to hear the truth? Let me give you an example. You recently had some blood tests and a CT scan. And two days later, you go to the doctor's office. And the doctor knows from reading the reports, you haven't seen them yet, that you have cancer, but it's not spread. It's very treatable. But you're going to have to start right now with the treatments. Here's the question. You're the patient. Do you want to hear the truth from the doctor? I won't ask you to answer it, just there's a question. See, hearing the real truth that you have cancer and you're going to have to have treatments, chemo, who knows, surgery, all kinds of things. Well, it's going to be very difficult, isn't it? If you say, give me the truth, it's going to be very difficult. But you know what? At least you have hope because you're going to be treated. Now, would you rather hear a sugar-coated lie from the doctor who says, 
Everything looks great. I looked at the results. They're all negative. Enjoy your life. Would you really like a doctor to do that to you? Because if you do want that, here's your outcome. Very soon, you're dead. Now, let's take it to spiritual ways. Do you see where I'm going? You have to understand this. When it comes to us telling the spiritual truth, Jesus taught his disciples to simply tell the whole truth in love. Pastors or Christ followers who are sharing the gospel are to please God, even knowing many unbelievers do not want to hear the truth. Why? They don't understand the outcome. If I'm here diluting the gospel and telling you, any of our pastors, that you're good enough to go to heaven without Jesus Christ, I'm absolutely taking you, and once you land in hell, you go, why didn't somebody tell me the truth? It's because I was pleasing man and not God. Now, remember, Paul says, when you tell the truth, you have to tell it in what? Love. Nobody here really in their right mind would say to the doctor, I don't want to know the truth. I don't want to know the truth. You're crazy, especially today with all the kind of things happening. And if you're here and you're not a believer, well, I don't believe in the hell. Well, I'm sorry. It's 100% true. There's a heaven and a hell. Well, I don't care. Well, that's up to you. Because when you die, you won't go where you want to go. It just isn't going to happen. And so that's why Paul is saying, we never dilute the truth of the word regardless of the danger. Regardless. If one day the government comes in and shuts me down, they can shut me down in the pulpit, but they ain't going to shut me down outside the pulpit. Or you as well, because we're the church. Amen? Now... Remember one day, Peter, Peter and John went to the temple, and they healed a man who had been lame forever. And he walked, and all of a sudden, thousands of people were coming to Christ. Is that the guy? Well, they came to Christ. And then the Jewish people said, well, who, who, who healed this man? And I, if I'd have been there, I'd like to say, you don't really, really want to know. Because it was Jesus. Remember, the Jewish religious leaders didn't believe in Jesus. He died. He was never resurrected. We buried him somewhere. I don't know where he is. Well, all of a sudden, here's what Peter said when they asked him that question. Who, who healed this man? He says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, this is Acts chapter 4, rulers and elders of the people, we are being questioned today because of what we've done is a good deed for a crippled man. Do you want to know how he was healed? Well, let me clearly say to you, all of you, and the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's pretty bold, isn't it? Then he said this. Oh, by the way, the man you crucified, but who God raised from the dead. Whoa. And he gets better. Look at this. There is salvation in no one else. God has given us no other name under heaven by which a man or woman can be saved. Yes. What did they do? In spite of what? Being beat. Later, they'll do much more. In spite of all of that, they simply were filled with the Spirit, they were bold, and they told the whole truth. Now, they got called back in, and the religious leader said, okay, we get the deal, don't ever speak about him again. And that's happening all over our world now. I'm serious. It's happening all over the world in many, many, many countries. In today's message, Pastor Mark taught about what happens when someone who's not qualified to be in ministry is allowed to remain. He warned you about having the proper motivation for doing ministry. 
Knowing that not everyone will be accepting of what you have to say shouldn't keep you from fulfilling the mission and task God has for you. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will wrap up his teaching, Successful Ministry That Pleases God. He'll teach more about having the proper motivation and attitude when ministering. You'll be reminded that God is the final judge of your motives and to work at allowing God to lead you to what He wants you to be doing. You'll learn more of what the Bible has to say about serving, too. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.